The Lord Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. The Lord Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He knows us and we belong to him. The Lord Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He speaks and we listen for his voice. With boldness, let us offer our prayers to the shepherd of our souls. Gather us together and make us one. One in ministry and mission to the world, so that there may be one flock, one shepherd. God of goodness and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the nations of the world. Anoint all leaders with your wisdom so that they will, rise, will use their power to help the poor and defend the vulnerable. God of goodness and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our communities. Strengthen those who work each day to heal the sick, welcome the outcasts, and help sisters and brothers in need. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for friends and loved ones. Comfort all who are suffering. Walk with them through dark valleys and restore them body, mind, and soul. God of goodness and mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, good shepherd, by the leading of your spirit, help us listen for your voice and follow in your paths all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's scripture is out of the book of John. Chapter 10. Excuse me, chapter 10, verse 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not know the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Just to refresh us all, John is the youngest of the four Gospels. 
It is named after John, one of the twelve disciples, the one known as the Beloved One. It was probably written by a disciple of John himself, as it was written nearly 60 years after the death of Jesus. And John was most likely no longer alive. Although throughout much of the book, it follows the stories of the Synoptic Gospels, John places certain episodes at different times during Jesus's ministry. For instance, the cleansing of the temple in the Gospel according to John is early in Christ's ministry, rather than during the week leading up to his crucifixion, as with the other books. The biggest difference in John from the other Gospels is the strong Christology of the book. Jesus identifies his divinity much more, much more often in the Gospel according to John than in any other of the other three. <clears throat> the writing itself is a little bit more poetic as is made evident in the opening lines in the beginning was the word and the word was god and the excuse me and the word was with god and the word was god it is in these first words that the tone of the gospel is set and the understanding of the triune god gained its roots during the time of his ministry many people did not understand or want to hear from jesus John takes information about a man from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee. Wow, reading is hard today. Which is an insignificant place. This, this man's father is Joseph, a peasant. He has no formal education. He deceives and violates the law. And he died a death befitting of a sinner. But through the book, the truth that is Christ becomes known. It is something that insiders had inklings of the whole time, but now through the Gospels, others can know the truth as well. Jesus' true home is heaven, God's world. He is the son of the creator. His education was that of God's instruction on what to say and do. His actions showed obedience, courage, and justice, and he died a noble death. Today's scripture points to such a truth. As we know from the other Gospels and from some of the scriptures we read during Lent, we know that Jesus often spoke about his impending sacrifice and death. But it was not heard or understood by those in his company. This is another example of Jesus foretelling his death and explaining just why it had to happen. This is not exact, exactly the parable of the lost sheep as found in the other Gospels. This one clearly states the purpose of the players in the scene and leaves little to be confused. One of the last classes I took in seminary was called The Kingdom of God in the Synoptic Gospels. In the class, we discussed and compared the parables of Christ within the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
Specifically, we looked at the places where Jesus mentions the kingdom of God. We had a discussion one week about the parable of the lost sheep and whether it made any sense. Whether it was something that would have been believable to the people at the time. Would it have made sense for a shepherd to leave 99 sheep to go after one? Would the shepherd leave the flock in an open pasture or among trees? Would he make sure that there were barricades of some sort? What if his livelihood depended on all of the sheep being accounted for when the owner came along? Could he count the loss and see that 99 was still a good number? There were a lot of questions that came up, and as I was listening, I was having a hard time understanding why people were questioning this parable and its validity. I, perhaps, was putting my own thoughts into it in what I would do. And I am certainly not a savvy business person. As one with a tender heart, I would have gone after the sheep because I would have imagined that it was scared out there all alone. Also, I think I was thinking of this passage from John in the back of my mind, that the shepherd is not merely someone who leads the sheep from one end of the wilderness to the other, but someone who truly loves each and every one of the sheep in their care. The shepherd is Jesus, in each and every version of the parable of the lost sheep. And the version in John makes that very clear. Jesus calls himself such, the good shepherd. Jesus describes the difference between a good shepherd and one who just is in charge of the sheep. As many brought up in the classroom conversation surrounding Luke's version of the story. To them, and to some of the people that Jesus was speaking to at the time, the shepherd was merely a hired hand, someone who had no relationship with the sheep, and would save their own skin before putting themselves in danger for the sake of others. The meat of Jesus' message in this passage is in in verses 16 and 17. Jesus has other sheep that are not in the fold. He is talking about those that are not his immediate followers. He is alluding to the reason and strength behind his ministry. In order to bring the other sheep into the fold, he must go out and find them. He will find them and and they will begin to know him by his voice and he will bring them home. And in order for that to happen, Jesus tells his disciples that he will need to lay down his life. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ never ceases to amaze me. I often do not understand it. I understand taking care of a flock. I understand doing what I need to do to protect those that cannot protect themselves. But the sacrifice that Jesus made for all humankind, past, present, and future, is more than I can imagine. I guess that's why I'm me and Jesus is Jesus. 
What we can learn from this passage, though, is the kind of love Jesus has for his people and do what we can to care for them while we wait for his return. We are the 99, the sheep that did not get lost or wander off. We have the word of God within us and with us. We are able to take care of ourselves and each other with the lessons that we have learned from Jesus throughout the years. But there are many in this world that are lost. There are many that have wandered off for one reason or another. Sometimes it is a decision they made. Sometimes the decision was made for them. It is not only up to Jesus to make sure these people find their way to him. It is up to us with our actions, with our words, and with our prayers. While Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for us, we also need to make sure that more sheep do not wander off and get lost. We can make sure to build relationships with those around us. I have some friends, Michael and Abby, who like to host parties. They plan the music and the entertainment and the food. They have a core group of friends that they know are going to show up, and they tell their friends to be sure to bring more people. That it's going to be a fun party, and the more the merrier. Everyone is welcome at their parties, and a lot of people show up. They get to know each other at the party, and friendships are formed. And suddenly, Michael and Abby's has become the place for people to gather on Friday nights to touch base, to relax from a hard week, to be with people who truly care for them. When Holly and Adam host a party, they keep the guest list small. They tell people... Not to tell anyone else about the party because then Heather might find out. And no one really likes Heather. And if Heather comes, they'll have to invite Jason and Nicole who don't like Jim and Anna. So the party only has a few people. The food is okay. The music mediocre. And the group wonders why their parties aren't as fun as the party across the street at Michael and Abby's. Church, the flock of Jesus Christ can be a lot like the parties that I just described. What each individual church needs to decide is what kind of party they want to have. Do they want to have one where everyone is welcome? Where people that need a safe place can come and be themselves? Or do they want to have one where only the people they know can come? With an environment of tension that makes people uncomfortable. One of these parties has the power to find and bring in lost sheep. The other party has the power to make sure those sheep never learn the voice of Jesus Christ. What kind of party do you want to host or attend? Think about this this week as we go through our days. Eventually, we will be able to worship face-to-face, 
again, and we will have a new opportunity to build our relationships. Sometimes without knowing it, our words and our actions can make us seem like we'd rather be part of party B. But when we mind our words and our actions, we realize that we are making it a lot easier for people to attend party A. And it also doesn't hurt that Michael makes the best homemade cheese sticks and homemade ranch ever. And don't even get me started on Abby's chicken wings. Amen. And now, as the children of God, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In the name of the Good Shepherd, love one another. May the goodness and mercy of God follow you all the days of your life. And at your life's end, may you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. <laughs>